Hey guys, welcome to the new podcast that we're putting out. This is the interview series that I've been putting together. It doesn't really have a name yet, but we'll get there eventually. So my name is Adam Ponophobia Cogswell, uh, previous host of the Trinity Force podcast. You can find us over on trinityforcenetwork.com. Uh, now doing this interview series, and today's guest is Sin Spitter X, also known as Kevin. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Great. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's kind of humorous. I should have said Kevin, a.k.a. Sin Spitter X, but... But, you know, I, I've only known you as your screen name for <laughs> a little under true, a week now. True, true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin uh, reached out to me on Twitter after a post that I made in regards to wanting to talk to people that have played, or excuse me, uh, performed in the video game industry in one role or the other. And his specific role, well, I'm going to let him talk about that a little bit more, about the game that he worked on and what he did. So Kevin, if you don't mind introducing yourself and what you did, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kevin. Um, I'm 28 years old, and I live in southern Germany. That's why the accent. That's I guess you can call, you can already tell a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but it's fine. We can understand yeah. you perfectly, so it's great. So I have worked on SOS. We're gonna go into that a little bit later, like what the game looked like. But my uh, specific position in the company was as a player experience specialist. Which pretty much, like, a quick summary is we went through player reports. When people reported someone in-game, we had to look over those cases and take action if needed. Uh, general customer support. We had, like, a little influencer program where we had to do the outreach pretty much and try to find people who want to join this affiliate program. And for me, specific, um, specifically because I'm German, I did translating for patch notes and official posts into German, pretty much. So let's talk about SOS, the game. Yes. Because people listening to this may or may not know what SOS is or was. Uh, I can I can give a small recap based on the stuff that I've looked at, but I really do want you to talk about it more. Um, but, but it was a, a unique style of first-person, it's not even a shooter, but a first-person game that involved guns and other tactical pieces. But I'll let you go ahead and um, you know really explain what SOS was. Yeah, so I guess some people would kind of describe it still as a battle royale, like to begin with. <laughs> but, it, but it's like, I guess... The terminology is a little bit wonky, but the one we used kind of was uh, a asymmetrical multiplayer survival game. So kind of thing like Dead by Daylight, where you had to like work together. But in this one, um, it was just you working for yourself. So it was 16 contestants entering each round. It was kind of like, if you think about shows like Survival or Big Brother, where you have like different contestants, and um, you basically were stranded on this island and you could form alliances. Uh, like pretty much you just had to hold one button which would make the character lift a hand. And if somebody would else, uh, someone else would do it and would run across you, boom, you're like a team now. Um, but at the same time, people could also betray you at the same time. Like as quick as you form an alliance, somebody can just betray you. At the end, out of those 16 contestants, only three people can leave the island. So you had to try to figure out, like, who can I work together with? Am I doing this by myself and trying to, like, just do my own thing and hope nobody is going to, like, cross my path? Or, like, how do I approach this? So every single round you played was different than the round before. Like, no single round was, like, identical to a different one. So what was the end goal of the game or I understand the end goal was to get off the island but what got you off the island so um, there were two components that you had to fulfill one is find a flare gun um, with the flare gun you would summon um, a helicopter that would take you from the island but with the flare gun if you shoot in the air there was like a big red trail pretty much you would signal the whole island like oh okay somebody is signaling it so people could come to you and try to uh, hinder you from escaping the island. And another different part is there were some monsters, like some NPC monsters, and you had to find them on the map, and they had a specific item called a relic. So you had to kill them, grab the relic, and only if you had a relic on you, you were able to go into the helicopter. And then basically, three people, the hel helicopter had three seats, so you had to find a relic, 
uh, shoot the flare gun, and then it was a two-minute delay until the helicopter arrived, and then you had to go there, like, in one piece, and not die on the way, and then jump into the helicopter, and then the game would end, pretty much. So, this all sounds like a really fascinating and awesome idea for a game. Uh, I really like the helicopter mechanic. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Ring of Elysium. Um, I, I heard the name, but I'm not familiar with the game itself. Uh, it's a battle royale. Uh, a legit battle royale, much like PUBG. Mm-hmm. And the end mechanic for that game was we all fight around the end zone where there's a helicopter and you climb into the helicopter and that's how you win the game. So having you know some kind of mechanic where you're fighting for the end point sounds really cool. And it sounds like this game had some kind of following, but uh, doing some research, there's a little bit of uh, drama behind it. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Very correct. Um, so yeah, let's t- let's continue to talk about SOS before we get into your specific role because I I don't know if you agree, but I feel understanding SOS before we get into what you did and how you handled the situations just kind of makes sense because people need to understand the you know the lineage or the history of of SOS. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from there, obviously that's the game. Uh, it, it launched on Steam in early 2018, but uh, from my understanding, it launched at a pretty steep price and had minimal content. Yes, that is very true. Okay, can we talk a little bit about that? Um, and and when when were you specifically? I should ask actually. Really, when did you join the team? Did you join the team before launch, after launch? You know, uh, you know, when were you recruited to help out with the player experience? Yes. So um, the launch that you were referring to in 2018 that was the official early access, and everything before that were like specific time periods, like closed uh, betas and alphas. So the game was not constantly open. There was no open beta process that other games typically have. So it was, um, I'm pretty positive it was in the last closed beta um, uh, phase, which would have been the end of 2017, like November-ish or something. That's when they uh, reached out on Twitter, like did a post pretty much like, hey, we're looking for volunteers to help us. like handle the closed beta phase that we have. So originally, the I don't know if it was for all the coworkers, but for me, it was like a temporary thing to help out with the closed beta phase, which was, I believe, like a two-week period at that time. And then once that one was uh, concluded and everything worked out well and the team worked great together, they were like, hey, actually, why not? keep you in the team because everything has been working out. Why don't you want to uh, put this into a full, like full-time position and help us once we launch the game? So, so were you with outpost prior to SOS? Uh, yes. So you, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, where did you start uh, with outpost and, you know, how did we get into the, into specifically SOS from there? Oh, okay. No, sorry. Then I ended it wrong. Now I legit just saw the tweet and a friend was pretty much reaching out like, Hey, um, because my background pretty much is I do a lot of social media. I do like community management in like Twitch and content creation. Ah. So somebody was reaching out like, Hey, actually, do you want to turn this into like a full-on profession. I saw this game company is trying to recruit people and he linked the tweet to me and then it was pretty much just like me applying a quick Skype interview and that's pretty much been the whole process. It was pretty quick. Okay, cool. Uh, So that's interesting. So you started out as, you know, it's like a kind of like a community moderator on Twitch or on other channels and whatnot and just happened to find find the position open uh, for you to join. Yes, correct. Yeah, see, opportunities just uh, present themselves to bound. So after all of these um, beta periods and and whatnot, uh, the game, I guess, officially launched, right? So that really started your role as this player experience or, or as you put it, yeah, player experience specialist, right? Yes, yes, correct. So, uh, you know, let's describe... Well, I, okay, so we're jumping around a lot here because we're talking about your role, we're talking about SOS. Uh, let's just, let, let's roll back here, talk about SOS, and we'll, then we'll jump into player experience portion of it. Uh, so, S- so SOS launches officially, or or even the whatever you want to call, call it, uh, in early 2018. It's about 30 bones to pick up on Steam. And then what happens? So back then, like, the price point was already steep, but it were like, 
different um like tiers that you could buy in so you got like different content pretty much uh, there were skins you had different characters that you could kind of customize so we gave like more customization options and everything so 30 bucks was like the cheapest price point out of those all which was already kind of steep so um that was already like the first point where people were like a little bit like okay this is kind of rough because we play like there was a following pretty much because um in the close betas and the alphas um it was always with a big stream of focus um so usually people that have been invited have been streamers so their community was like oh wow now finally we can play with our streamer together and then they were like met with the 30 bucks price point where they're like okay this is kind of steep like yeah the way the way it's described it sounds like you start out with the only the one game mode only the one map and you know that can work out for some games right but when the playability yes. is only 16 players and it's pretty much the same thing every time and we still need to work out some bugs 30 dollars is a you're basically buying an alpha for 30 bucks yeah pretty much but people did it and it seems like people loved it yeah, so it was this. It was like a very good um, time on Twitch in general because that was when all the role playing streams were big. Because um, there was the GTA role playing that got big um, back then. Ark, the survival game, was pretty mm -hmm. big where people had like role play servers and everything. So we fit right into like our own sort of niche on Twitch, which had like a following to begin with. And streamers were quick to jump on uh, and then bring their communities into the whole experience with them together. So it like it started pretty much like with a bit, little bit of a kickstart thanks to all the streamers being so involved with it. Okay, so if we look at it that way, where it was more like a Kickstarter but on Steam, they were really just trying to get this game off the ground with minimal amount of money. Is that correct? I would I would say so, yeah. Okay. Sounds about or, right. Or, you know, minimal investor, however you want to bid, whatever minimal may be. So uh we we roll through, we get we have you know, Steam charts. Would you guys do you were you tracking Steam charts at all during SOS um, releases? I personally did not like as as a job, like I did not have to uh look into metrics and everything, but out of my own interest pretty much I did. And um we have been doing pretty well at the beginning. I'm actually going to look this up to see if I can't find old... I don't think I can find old um, stream charts for SOS. Because right now, <laughs> SOS has an average player base of zero, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, actually, I, 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 I believe never... it was like two to 4,000 players or so, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. And then content... Then if and Please correct me if I'm wrong in my history. I'm doing my best to recall this off, my top, my, off the top of my head. Uh you know, the player base started to dwindle a bit because, of course, it was, you know, $30 for one map one time. You you know, you could only play it so many times before you potentially got bored. Uh, but then Content Update 2 dropped, and that seemed yes. to be kind of like a nail in the coffin, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the point. Um, like, there have been a lot of promises. We um, showed pretty early on, like, hey, there's so much content that we have in the future, pretty much, like... Um, a different map, uh, different weapons, all all these kind of super fancy things. And then with Content Update 2, it's been pretty much very lackluster compared to what we showed on stream and what people were excited for. And it kind of changed also, not necessarily like too much the game mechanics, but it, but it added things that people were not super satisfied with. Like we added a sort of armor um to the game where usually if you were just quick to just put a headshot onto somebody they were pretty much dead so which was the whole point with like the whole betrayal something now suddenly they have like this helmet and armor and then you mm -hmm. cannot do all the things that you had before pretty much and you had to pretty much play it differently than you had to before like the way people enjoyed playing it so they were not happy with the whole content update in terms of what we did deliver and things we did not deliver that we pretty much promised earlier. So were you, I know that you were doing player experience. Um, I have to, I, 
I'm going to say I have to imagine, but you'll be able to correct me. But I have to imagine that you were at least in some of those meetings to have an understanding of what was going behind the scenes. Do you know what it was like behind the scenes when they were trying to come up with these extra like armor and helmets and whatnot and kind of like the, the idea that they were going forward with the game? Or with, did it seem like everybody was kind of floundering and coming up with random ideas, what they thought was cool and what pe- people might like? So we had like a little bit of like, um, I would say it was no longer than usually like one or two weeks max where we knew, okay, this content is coming. So we had like an idea so we can prepare for stuff um, in case there were tickets coming in or so that we pretty much like on the day it launches, if there are any errors or like people asking about specific content content so that we know what is supposed to roll out, what how it is supposed to work. But we never had like the whole roadmap, which people gotcha. potentially probably had like in studio. Okay. Uh, I guess that's that that leads me into that next question is how disconnected was it between player experience and, and the studio? And it sounds like it was fairly disconnected, right? Like you guys didn't have a whole idea, but you did get a heads up. Like, uh, you yes. know, we're introducing Correct. this game mechanic. This is what we expected to do. You know, expect such and such to come in. Yes. So the whole, like we had um, our own like Slack, pretty much our Slack workspace and everything, mm-hmm. but all our communication pretty much or like our higher up that we would talk to was the community manager at that point. So gotcha. that one was the highest up pretty much that we talked to. And he then, um, put together the notes that we prepared or like what we talked about and would put that to other higher ups, but we wouldn't get into that whole process or like get involved with that. So all our communication was pretty much through the community manager at that point. Gotcha. Okay. So that's content update two that drops. And then we start moving forward and the game starts to dwindle further and further. So what happens after content update two? So pretty much um, like we had weekly live streams and the tone pretty much like shifted a little bit from people being excited about future stuff being more about like, hey, why are you not fixing pretty much the things that nobody likes? Like the armor was pretty much, I would say, it's tough to give numbers, but I would say the big majority, like maybe two thirds of the people did not enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But there was no, pretty much like no um, like update fixing any of that or like even reducing the armor there was like no change to it despite there being such an outrage well see i could i could see that from like you said really i'm just reiterating what you said before the fact that i could decide just to turn and pop somebody in the head now you're off my team and i'm gonna steal the relic or whatever that's gone right now you're wearing a helmet now i can't just betray you or stab you in the back literally i can't stab you in the back you're wearing armor and that kind of goes against any and all that uh that i guess that what the game was trying to go for now we're moving really into more battle royale territory exactly exactly and with the whole like pretty much you could talk to anyone like um kind of like a world chat just press my t key or whatever and i can talk exactly exactly so pretty much um Many people came into the game really just enjoying the whole role-playing aspect, and they weren't even, like, necessarily about winning the game. They were trying to produce funny content, either for YouTube or for the stream and everything. Mm -hmm. So suddenly they had to play or were forced to play, like, tactical. Like, oh, man, how do I get past this guy if I have to put, like, five bullets into him so I can keep doing my shtick, pretty much. (laughs) So now you have to change up your shtick. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were forcing people out of their preferred playstyle and forcing one specific one that people would not agree with. Pretty much. So I know I keep dipping back into what you're doing because I really do want to get into behind the scenes after this. Um, and again, I really want people to understand what SOS is and, and what it was like. But uh, how was morale or what was it like behind the scenes? As really, it seems like content update two was the, again, I'm going to say nail in the coffin. That was what it started. How was it behind the scenes with all the tickets coming in and whatnot over, you know, I guess. Yeah. You know, so Yeah, you get it. Yeah. So pretty much, um, like, I also did Twitch moderation. So I, I feel like Twitch streams are a little bit more open about negativity. Like, in the- <laughs> I'm laughing because. So like- it's Twitch, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the tickets, it's still like, oh man, I paid for this game. So pretty much, I don't know if they were afraid to be banned or anything because that's nothing that we did. 
But I feel like in the game or through the official reports, people have been a little bit more polite to begin with. And we were like, okay, um, like, well, we're the sorry about the inconvenience. Anonymity has gone at that point, right? Because you, yeah, you're, you're yeah. logged in with your account or whatever it is and saying, hey, I don't really like this game, but please don't ban me. Yeah, 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 kind of, exactly. And also, like, all of those response, uh, responses had, like, the official, like, Kevin, player experience specialist on the bottom. So mm-hmm. it felt a little bit more official, like, more in touch with the company to get an answer from that for some it might have been okay. For some, they were not getting the answer that they hoped for rather than just, like, having a random name in Twitch chat tell them, oh, yeah, this is going to change sometime soon. It felt, like, more official sure. through the reports. So that... We did definitely did see a shift in tone a little bit, but it was like not to an extent we were like, okay, uh, this is like going way, way down right now. This is not good. So, so it was like still okay. Morale rise. It was the first time okay. we were met more with negativity than positivity. And it was definitely like you could feel it, but nobody was like super concerned. At least I didn't feel like or like see other people being overly freaking out over the fact so now we move into what i believe is the next phase where it's sos classic and sos battle royale correct yes correct so go ahead and explain to me classic versus battle royale what what happened okay so pretty much sos classic was the original game mode as we had it but as the numbers have been like dwindling and things have not been pretty much like it was not the amount of sales that we hoped for and everything, um, we pretty much like did not know there's a big change. It was suddenly announced to us just as much as to the player base. Like, hey, okay, from this date on, which was like, I think it might have been like May end of May, early June 2018, so that's like a couple months after Early Access, which is not a long time, where it got announced, okay, we're going to change this game completely into a Battle Royale. So pretty okay. much the everything that the game had that made it unique, the whole like teaming with people, even just being able to speak to other people, it got completely removed. It simply is like you get thrown on the island, find some guns, be the last one to survive the circle, and that's it. Pretty much your generic, like, battle royale that everybody did at that time because it was the hype thing apparently to do. And like, hey, let's let's boost our numbers by just throwing out a battle royale because it's the go-to genre. Right, and that's and that was the big time, right? The end of twenty eight or mid of, mid of twenty eighteen was battle yes. royale. Everybody, PUBG was huge. Ring of Elysium's coming out. Fortnite's gigantic, of course. Exactly, exactly. And and it, it makes sense from a uh, like a studio standpoint. Excuse me, uh, from a studio standpoint, you want to. You know, you want your game to be the most successful it is. You see Battle Royals are huge. Suddenly you're like, oh, we're going to make one. We're going to turn this game into it. But that's not what people signed up for or paid for. Um, exactly. So we've pretty much talked about it. There's there's some other things in between. I noticed that at some point people, I'm assuming studio execs or whatever, said, yeah, just give them free stuff. And then they unlocked literally all the content for everybody to yes, play. Yes, correct. It's correct. <laughs> pretty much like, hey, you did not, you did pay money, but not for this game. But hey. On us, as a little thank you for the early support, have all of the items unlocked, and which were like avatars, skins, like the usual cosmetics that you get thrown at in other battle royales as well. So it was not even like a bang for your buck. Pretty much it was just like, hey, you unlock everything right away. You don't have to level the game to unlock stuff. Right. We know we screwed up here. Let me, let's try to make it better. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Right. <laughs> so that is in, in under a year because if I – in October of 2018, Outpost put out an announcement, hey, we're shutting it all down. And numbers have dwindled so poorly. We can't get people in this game anymore. It's down. And in November of 2018, the game completely shut down, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Okay. So that is the history of SOS. Now we're going to backtrack because I want to talk about your history throughout the game and what you did and, you know, uh, your player relation relation status and and what happened when the game ended and what it was like there. So 
rolling now, you know, pressing rewind, going back to the beginning, how was it behind the scenes? What's it like being player relations? Were you on Reddit? Obviously, you said Twitch. You know, I see the reason I ask all these, and I'm sorry if I'm, you know, really, really trying to get this uh, fleshed out, is because I'll go on to the division forums and every, or, or, or Modern Warfare is a better one. And an yes. infinity, and somebody will post there, a dev from Infinity Ward will post, and they'll either get downvoted into oblivion or people will just, like, you know, give them death threats or whatever, right? Like, then they mm-hmm. just want to stop posting because of that. So what's it like being player relations and having things like that uh, come at you? Uh, you know, can you tell me about what it, what it's like to have players talk, interact with you in, in the official uh, forums and Twitch chats and whatnot? Yeah, so... As I was stating earlier, in the beginning it was still, except for Twitch chat a little bit, but also we had like the options to moderate it. So that way we could kind of just like delete any comment that we didn't like, which is not the same uh, thing you can do with like official reports. You cannot just ignore them or just delete and oh yeah, that guy never reported anybody pretty much. So that way you were forced to interact with every single negativity that, that was thrown at you. So there were definitely a couple, especially towards the end, there were phases where it took like a couple days for like at least one positive message to come through or like just a regular customer sure. uh, support sort of deal. It was like just straight up negativity. We were called scams. Um, as you said, the classic like death threats and pretty much people threatening to sue us and everything. So it's definitely like knowing at the start of a shift, you had to kind of prepare for that. <laughs> like I pretty much were like, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's, you cannot pretty much prepare for something that you don't know what you get uh, confronted with. Yeah. Right. Because you don't know what the people are actually like writing, but I definitely had to like ground myself before I go into the shift, um, like towards the end. Sometimes it's like it's pretty much how should, how should I describe that? Like at the end, we only could give out like canned answers, pretty much like copy paste sort of deal. Like sorry about the inconvenience. Um, I know this is not what people liked or hoped for and everything. When the person on the other end wrote like a sixteen paragraph sort of like why did you do this, which I definitely did know that little sorry is like a band-aid on a like gaping wound. Like I know my sorry is not gonna help him. I know I cannot undo the changes, but I still have to reply to them and hope that they like somehow get our side a little bit. So <laughs> I, I I laugh because I can only imagine what it's like to get into the headspace of like, I know that I'm going to be berated. I know that people are upset with this game. We went from being, you know, relatively popular to now where we're at. Um, and, and I can only give canned responses. Did, you know, it, how long was a shift for you? Let's start there. How long was a shift? Was it an eight hour shift of answering tickets? So at the beginning, yes. And then, of course, once numbers didn't do too well, like people got laid off a little bit. We had like a very big group, to be fair. Um, I think we started as like 13 or 15 people on the team so that we could have 24-7 support and people would shift through. And then, of course, with a dwindling player base and you not having like reports come in much, the team got laid off a little bit sizes got reduced, you never knew, like, oh man, I'm am I gonna be on the team for, like, much longer anymore? So, at the end, we were still, like, part-time, it was four hours a shift, but there could have been patches in those four hours where there were, like, two hours of no report coming in at all. Wow. Sure, and, and that makes sense, right? Like, it's not always negative, and people aren't always gonna use that as a avenue to air their grievances. Uh, did, how, how big was the team that you worked on? So pretty much the play experience specialist team, like I said, I believe it started at either 13 or 15 people. And then by the end, when I got laid off pretty much, which was the very last um, layoff pretty much, I think we were at five people max. Okay. And which was you, pretty much you, in October. 
Gotcha. And that makes sense, right, at the very end. Were you posting on Reddit and whatnot? Because there is an SOS subreddit, of course. Um, I have moderated it. I did not post on it much. Pretty much my official um, posts that went out were pretty much just the translations of the official posts, which got given to me. I just had to translate them. And um, I did a little bit of moderation and answering on the Steam forums. Ah, right, Steam forums. Honestly, I forget they exist. Uh, yeah, but, but they seem it seems to be pop, a popular place that people go to when they're talking about a game and, and trying to get answers to you know the different questions. Yes, yes. So from being behind the scenes, uh, and if this is too personal of a question, it's not going to be super personal. But if it's too personal of a question, please don't answer it. Uh, how was it? Like, were you guys being paid on time? I'm assuming you're being paid for your work. Was there ever any, you know, was there any lull and kind of paychecks or anything like that as the game started to dwindle? Actually, to be fair, all of the behind the scenes concerning that has been like no problems at all. There's okay. never been been a moment where there was like no pay, late pay, unfair pay or anything. Uh, at one point, actually, um, that was when the the player base was dwindling quite a bit we were actually like offered it was free for us to do so we were not forced to do so um if we would play outside of our usual shifts uh we would get paid to actually just play the game to oh. uh populate the player queues but all that, of that makes sense also, yeah but all of that was all like hey we can offer you like up to so many hours like, please don't log any more than that. But if you feel like it, you're free to do so. Simply just add it to your invoice. And if not, it's totally fine. So, Well, that's awesome. Because something that I'd, I don't necessarily want to highlight, but if it's a if it's a rampant, it seems to be... You know, I follow video game Twitter. I won't... Video game industry mm-hmm. Twitter, for lack of better words. And it seems like sometimes there are studios where... Uh, people are overworked or underpaid or they're not paid on time. Uh, I have a coworker who did uh, develop behind the scenes to the point where he has told me that he wishes he would have taken some equipment from them because he didn't get paid, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's good to hear that at least the studio was trying to make it right, and, but the execs, without sounding too harsh, didn't have their head, the right head on their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as a pl- player experience, you know, and behind the scenes uh, with with SOS, was there a giant PR mess? Because this is where I want to lead into Snoop Dogg. Yes. So I guess, should I just dive into it right away? Yeah, so let's go. Way. Let's talk about Snoop Dogg and what happened with there. Okay. What, what you had to deal with the fallout of Snoop Dogg. Yes. So for the start of the early access... Suddenly, like, even we didn't know on the team, it was just, like, a message, hey, uh, from the community manager, like, hey, I will not be around, like, for today, I will be traveling for the next two days, um, but tune into the stream, like, would be cool if you, if you're around, you could, like, moderate the chat a little bit, we got something cool, like, coming up for everyone, with a winky face, so even we were, like, okay, we got something cool coming on, I guess something... Like a big surprise for the launch, maybe a new in-game item or a new game mode that nobody talked about, which I was like thinking that would not be the case probably because we would have known about the game mode. So it had to be something like I had the feeling something outside of the game had to happen. So I was like, okay, this this sounds interesting. And then suddenly it got tweeted out like, hey, Snoop Dogg is live now playing SOS. And we're like, Wait, did that just say Snoop Dogg? Like, the Snoop Dogg? <laughs> so, of course, me even not knowing what's going on, like, I pretty much tuned in to the stream. And the stream was, like, not super long. I think it was, like, 90 minutes to two hours max, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, it seemed, like, all cool. Like, he had so much fun with it. He got, like, really into his character and trying to be, like, this... Badass gangster, pretty much like typical Snoop Dogg stuff that you would expect. Like sure. how he interacted with other people, which was a custom game with other streamers. So they were prepared. Even they, the streamers, knew before we on the player experience specialist team knew, pretty much. But then throughout the stream, classic Snoop Dogg once again tried to like 
uh, started smoking on stream, and then <laughs> somehow the character was still moving while he had like one hand pretty much like not at any controller or any keyboard at all. To the point where later on he didn't even like he didn't even try to act like he was playing like right. both hands right. pretty much in the air like. Well, at one point he pulls up his cell phone and he's got a blunt in his hand and he's like yes, texting yes. or reading inside that he's still playing on the stream, right? Exactly, exactly. At one point, like it turned out later on that our community player, uh, community manager was playing for him, and like even at one point, he he pretty much role played like shooting in the air and like yelling pretty much like oh don't mess with me and then after that exact scene he was like turning around talking to someone off screen yo that shit was hot that was so cool what you did there so everybody knew okay someone else is playing for snoop dogg like he is not playing he's just pretending that's hilarious i love it so yeah pretty much like all the big um uh other outlets like kotaku the Verge, everything Pretty much, instead of talking about, like, hey, there's this new game coming out, the headlines were all like, hey, Snoop Dogg is on Twitch pretending to play a game. So it was all pretty much, like, hidden under the whole, like, it was pretty clickbaity for them. Of course, people would jump into, like, writing articles about it. So it was all like, hey, Snoop Dogg is pretending to play a game. But no press is bad press, so I don't understand how this turned around on the SOS of the community, right? Like, you have Snoop Dogg. He's out here. He's a big name. Of course, he's not playing, but he's having fun with it, and he's saying that looks really cool. So, you know, how did that really negatively impact it? What did you guys see as a player experience when it came to tickets or other community interaction from that? Were people really legitimately upset that he wasn't playing? So, for the tickets, it was like... Tickets were not really reflecting that whole uh, situation as much, but especially on uh, on the stream a little bit, like when I watched like outside of the shift, just on Twitter and what people were talking about the game, they were pretty much like, "Why, why sell out? Why pay so much money just uh, for someone to pretend liking your game?" Pretty much like like a sellout sort of situation like hey they must have paid him like so much money why not put that back into the company or like fixing the game <laughs> typical okay sort of i understand yeah yeah because it was like only a one-time thing like he never went back and he probably never tweeted i i didn't check snoop dogg's twitter but i bet that was the only time he ever tweeted about sos like i'm pretty positive <laughs> right right yeah no you pay him once you pay a big celebrity to get on there i understand that the idea behind it and uh, Honestly, if with the right spin, it shouldn't be that big a deal, but I can see why some players would be upset. Players get upset about the most minuscule things in either way. Exactly, exactly. Like, it was an easy thing to jump onto because people were already sort of, like, not satisfied. And then, hey, there's a lot of new people being negative about the game. Like, let, let me jump in on it. And then it was, like, kind of snowballing from there. So... Now, moving forward, we've talked about SOS, talked about the decline, talked about what it's like behind the scenes and whatnot with you. Uh, you know, what? where have you moved on to since SOS? Are you doing anything in the community? What is your full-time job now that SOS is, you know, it, it's no longer around? Yes. Yeah, so I'm currently still looking to get back into the uh, whole game dev world, pretty much. Like, um, I just recently got married. Um, congratulations thank you thank you and it's uh it's a long distance relationship so me being in germany her being from california so pretty much making that whole work getting married now getting the whole paperwork done so i can move over mm -hmm. that was like taking taking up quite a bit of, of time and figuring out so i pretty much focused more on my like personal life i guess pretty much sure but i do um social media for a game called Doom Trooper, which is a game uh, friends of mine are pretty much working on. It's like a um, card game that was actually uh, like a real physical card game in the 90s, which got discontinued, and they're bringing it now back into a classical, um, uh, into a digital world, pretty much, like reviving that whole world. So I do that, but it's on a, on a volunteer basis without like a regular uh, payroll or something. So we're speaking of Doom Trooper, just because we're here. Where, what can people can people play that? Where can they find it? You know, et cetera. Yes. So, um, pretty much, I guess the 
best point to jump in is either uh, on our Twitter, which is at Doomtrooper Game, or like on Discord, pretty much. We have like a pretty much inbuilt Discord function that we roll out slowly that if you just join the Discord, you get an invite into the game. So I guess those those two um, platforms will be the best. Doomtrooper Game on Twitter or discord.gg slash secretcowlevel. That's the developers behind uh, Doomtrooper. And yeah, that's pretty much the easiest. Or just reach out to me on Twitter uh, at SinceBitterX, pretty much, and I can help out. Rock on. We'll put that in the description of the podcast when this goes out as well. Awesome. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, no. And like I said, this whole point of this podcast, and, and depending on what episode this this ends up being, is really to... You know, we want. I want people to find new games. I want people to understand what it's like being in the industry, and I want people to understand what it's like, uh, you know, mentally or physically for the players that are behind the scenes that have to listen to the tickets and whatnot. Because mm-hmm, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't really touch on that. Because you said you had to mentally prepare yourself for these tickets and whatnot. What's it like behind the scenes when you know you have a failing game or you know it's going to be, you know, a, an upsetting day? Can, is there anything? that these players are doing that they can change or, you know, what should they keep in mind when they're submitting a ticket or talking on the forums? Basically, you know, people, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, surprisingly, like, we didn't have the whole tagline at the bottom at the beginning, like, with our name and player experience specialist. And once we added that and there was, like, a real name at the bottom, like, the tone shifted a little bit as well. Like, people do sometimes forget there's like a real person at the other end who had to like read through it, deal with the frustration and like try to work on that basis. Like it's, it's way different if somebody says like, Hey, I have this and this problem. Uh, can you help me out? Or like, how does the future look like for this and that feature rather than just like scrolling through caps log slurs and like i'm gonna kill your whole family and then like hey when is actually the next patch going it's like way different uh a different approach so i guess the tickets actually so okay specifically for sos it's like an interesting case as well when it comes to moderation because the game is like one of the few where it's very focused on like language, talking to others. Mm-hmm. And pretty much like I cannot, uh, I don't want to go into full detail like how the reports look like or like how we ended up going through them, deciding like, hey, is this a real report or not? Sure. But pretty no, much I get that. like, go, yeah. Because I don't know if other games use the same systems. Uh, uh, like, I don't want to give any, any loopholes. Or something yeah no uh, no industry secrets we don't we don't need to release any of those on this yeah show. exactly but of course like what happened in the game either like through mechanics or like actual people talking we had some way to look into like what people have been saying mm, okay and with the negativity like we attracted a lot of people who like there's apparently a big scene of people just griefing people in games and like doing that on YouTube and uploading videos like, hey, look at all the streamers I trolled pretty much. So there was like a big phase where people were just trying to, especially with streamers and have them having their own turn of services and everything, joining their custom games, throwing slurs around and everything. So doing that on a daily basis, just like hearing all those like slurs being thrown around and like how like to what extent people would go just to get someone else in trouble everything that was kind of kind of not necessarily frustrating because at least i knew like hey if i ban that account at least i did my part to to make that stop but just like i guess a little bit disappointing i guess disappointing is the best word to put it just to see like to what means like how far people would go creating up to, especially after it went free to play, creating like up to 20 plus accounts just to mess with somebody. Wow. I can see that. That happens all the time. People, we could talk about that ad nauseum because that happens in most other video games that are free to play or games that are easy to have a low entry to play or a low barrier of entry, correct? Mm-hmm. And, but so from behind the scenes you just said you had the ability to ban people or at least escalate it so it could be banned 
what kind of toll does that take on a person to read these reports? You know, I've decided after five reports, this person has to be banned. I know they're going to lose out in thirty dollars. I I can't imagine that it's it feels good to press the ban button at the end of the day. Yeah, no, there's been like very rare cases where I like legit saw okay, this people uh, this 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 person had like no positive intent from the very beginning, but it always did feel like not good having to take like bigger actions. So we had, there was no like, just like, okay, you can play the game or you get banned. We had like different options. You're like, uh, like for a couple hours, a 24 hour ban or something. Mm -hmm. So always having to like go through, like how many times can I just give him like a tap on the hand and give like 24 hours to go through with the whole ban like that. Even after like the 50th, 100th time, it still wasn't like an easy decision. I was still thinking like, should I, should I not? Because like at the end, like you said, people have paid big time money. Like 30 bucks was the low entry. We had like three different tiers. I think the biggest one was at 90 bucks. And we even had to ban people who paid like 90 bucks. Wow. Like completely from the game, which is a lot of money for a lot of people. I should have asked you this earlier in the show, but was there... DLC is not the correct word for it. Microtransactions in the game. Um, no, there was not. Okay, so it was 30 bucks flat out or 90 bucks flat out or whatever it was, right? Yes. We, what we had was like sort of like a season, season pass situation. Gotcha. So you could unlock stuff quicker. Pretty much like the other Battle Royales have sort of similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, the, most of them do nowadays. Yeah, but we had no like no loot boxes. We had no pay, pay to win or content or anything like that. So, uh, well, great. Um, I'm, I, I think we've really reached the end here because we've talked about SOS. We talked about your involvement in the community and, and what you want to do in the future. And, you know, and the stuff you're working on now, like you said, you're part-time with Doom Trooper and whatnot. Is there anything else that you feel that I'm missing or that other people should know about what it's like to be in the video game industry or being behind the scenes? So I guess, like like I said, I work completely remote. I only got the experience from within the whole play experience specialist team. Of course, you still connect somewhat with people in studio, like on Twitter or every now and then, like on Twitch chat. Afterwards, you like whisper with them and everything. You kind of get what was going on there, but it is a very selective, like a very selective view that I can give on the situation. Like I never had the the experience of sitting in a meeting and suddenly they were like, okay, so now when you sit back on the desk, you're going to create like a completely different game. You're going to abandon everything of your work. So I never had to do all of that. So it's just one perspective on the whole situation pretty much. Right. It's not like the whole, the whole uh, like rundown pretty much. And it, it's like a very specific case, like Outrage, uh, Outpost Games, which is a company behind SOS, like even closed down after just this. It wow. was just this one game, the first game, it failed completely and the whole company pretty much disbanded and moved on to difference. So it's a very, I think, I don't, I've, I've not looked into it very much, but I feel like I cannot recall a different company that had the same experience. Like, hey, we're going to do one game oh, wow, okay, this is not going well. Like, let's just close the whole company and, like, act like nothing ever happened, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's a very specific, like, experience. People should not be discouraged to try to do their own research on things, try to find their foot in video games, pretty much, just because this was, was a bad experience or, like... Nowadays on Twitter, you see a lot like, oh, this company is crunching. This company has like massive layoffs, even though they have like uh, the best quarter in sales they ever had, pretty much. Those are all very selective um, experiences. And there's so many companies out there, so many different people, so many different interests. And like, there's so many companies out there with legit passionate people people very like professional very uh, skilled at their art so just because there's a lot of experiences out there just as with the news it's easier or like more interesting for people to read about all the negatives there's like so many positives out there 
So definitely don't feel uh, like that all of this sounds absolutely terrible and it's going to be a bad experience if you still want to jump into game development or like anything game related, even in 2020. Sure. Just know you have to, you know, roll with the punches, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, Kevin, I think I'm going to end it there. I, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you talking about SOS uh, and, and the, you know, the community involvement and everything behind it. Um, if people have any specific questions or they want to reach out to you, can they do that via Twitter? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like on Twitter, at SinceBitterX. Or like even per mail would be okay. It's SinceBitterX at gmail.com. Rock on. Uh, my whole goal behind this, and I'm probably going to say this every podcast I do, is I want to introduce people to what it's like in the video game industry from every from every aspect, from being a QA to video game developer to player relations and whatnot. And so if they have specific questions because they are getting into the role of player relations answering tickets, um, I think that you could potentially be a great resource, especially going through the ups and downs that SOS did. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, please feel free to reach out to him. Obviously, he, he, he would like to speak with you if you if you you know have any specific questions. So, and don't forget to go look up Doom Troopers. Um, you know, we'll find that link in the description of this podcast. And that's Sin slash Kevin, however you want to be called, because I like to call you by both names. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight. Thank you so much. This has been yep. really enlightening. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and like giving me the platform to talk about it. Like I always felt like I kind of want to share the whole story because it's like such an interesting and like I guess weird is a good way to put it. I don't know it how is. you gotta like say it. So I'm actually happy I got to give like a little bit more insight about the whole experience. So everybody listening, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Sin specifically, or you can reach out to me. Uh, my email address will be questions or actually. Well, see, this is my first episode, so I'm going to have to edit this at the end of it. Uh, we do a little yeah. post-processing, so let, let me think here. You can reach out to me, Adam C, uh, A-D-A-M-C, at TrinityForceNetwork.com. I'll answer any questions you specifically have, and that email address will update eventually to something a little bit more when I get a name for this podcast. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next week with another interview with another video game developer slash QA slash specialist. So thank you, uh, and Kevin, thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.